1: That's what we're going to be talking about once again tonight as we try to conclude our series on the subject All are called, but not all are chosen. Think about that. All are called, but not all are chosen. We take that scripture from Matthew 20 and verse 16. If you want to turn there, go ahead. But the chapter of Matthew 20 deals with Jesus telling a parable of a vine dresser who went out to try to find people to work in his vineyard. And he went out at certain different times promising people a pay for working. And when it came to the end of the day, those who were hired last, some had only worked one hour. They were given the same amount that was promised those who had worked all day. So what happened? The ones who had worked longer thought, well, this is good. We're going to get more. They didn't. They got the amount that was given to them. What does that parable show us? It shows us the grace of God that no matter where we are, who we are, as long as we're trusting in God and giving our lives to God, no matter what, we're going to have the same reward, which is heaven. Do I hear an amen? Amen. But people are getting upset at Jesus. They can't understand it. So Jesus says these words Matthew 20, verse 16. He says these words So the last will be, and the first will be last. For many are called, but few chosen. Many are called, but few chosen. We want to think of chosen in the thought of have chosen. All are called. How many would agree that God calls everyone? Everyone has the same opportunity to hear from God. But the thought of chosen is not that God says, I'll have you, I'll have you, I'll have you. Because that's what some people believe and that's what some people preach. God says no. God says whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that means God's a liar if he's already pre-chosen people. Do I hear an amen? Amen. So there's a call that's gone out. So the choice is not God's, because he's chosen everyone. But the choice is those of us who have accepted the call and say, Ooh, 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 God, here I am. Pick me. I want to be your choice. Those who have accepted the call of Christ and desire to fully live with him. Now believe me, I'm not starting a new sect of Christianity here. But I believe from what we have just read that there is a distinction between those who are called and those who are chosen. There's a lot of people who are called. There's a lot of people who fill our churches every Sunday who are called. Who have given their lives to Christ and say, God, forgive me for my sins. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians. There's a lot of good people. But you know what? The Bible says a lot of called or being called. But the Bible says few are chosen. I believe there's a distinction between called and chosen. And that is those that accept the call and choose to live completely, totally surrendered and yielded to God. Notice I didn't say perfect because none of us are perfect. But what do we do when we fall? We dust ourselves up. off, we pick ourselves up, and we keep going, trusting God. Why? Because we are the chosen of God. I want to be found in the chosen few. How many wants to be in the chosen few? I wish there was more of us, but you know what? I would much rather go to battle with someone who knew what they were doing than someone who didn't even know how to work a gun. That's a liability. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, are you a liability to me? Come on, think about it. We don't need liabilities. We need people who knows what it is to stand up in the power of God and in the might of God to take authority over principalities and powers and be what? Counted for Jesus Christ. We need people. I want to be part of that chosen few. I want to be part of the chosen crew. So last week we began to look at Gideon and we really didn't get to Gideon. We just kind of talked about the children of Israel of that day. And the state that they found themselves in. And we will read why they found themselves in that way. If you would turn with me to Judges chapter 6 verse 1 through 10. Patricia, can you put it up on the screen for me? Are you able to do that? That would be fantastic if you can. Let's start in Judges chapter 6 and we're going to begin in verse 1 and we're going to read through verse 10. And it says this, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's why they struggled. Understand that? They did evil in the sight of God. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midianites for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds which are in the mountains. Verse 3. Now, or so it was, whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up. Also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Sounds like the bug's life, doesn't it? That's what it sounds like. The grasshoppers and the ants and different things. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you obviously don't have kids under the age of 10. It's okay. Verse 4. Then they would to camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. They would leave them completely broke destitute, literally starving. Verse 5, For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels, and without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet. God heard their The Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt and I brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and I gave you their land. So they are living in the promise. Remember that they're living in the promised land. Verse 10. Also, I say unto you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So they did evil. They were brought into bondage, persecution. But they cried out to God and God's prophet came with a word. It wasn't really what they wanted. They wanted God to click his fingers and just solve their problems. Come on, that's most of us in here. We just want God to click his fingers and solve our problems. But the problem is, if we don't learn why we found ourselves first in that problem, we're going to find ourselves in greater problems. And everyone said, ouch. So they cried out to God. God sent a prophet with a word. And they had to make a choice whether or not to follow The Word of God. So how does that apply to our lives? Well, that's the question that we began to answer last week. And we're going to continue and hopefully finish answering tonight. How can we live a life being God's pick? Not just called, but part of the chosen. How can we live a life being on God's team and being what He wants us to be? The first thing that we looked at was, point one last week, that we don't get complacent in our walk. Remember that when we talked about that last week? Complacency means to be self-satisfied. Or another way of putting it is putting your guard down. How many times do we perhaps just begin to coast through life, let our guard down, and all of a sudden Satan gives us a major blow? Well, if we had our guard up, we would be prepared. How do we keep our guard up? Through the word, through prayer, through church, through fellowship and with other people. It keeps us sharp and it keeps us fresh. A boxer doesn't just go into the ring on championship night. Why? Because he has to be fresh and he has to be alert. So what does he do? He has a sparring partner. What is the sparring partner's job? To try and deal some blows and take some blows. For what reason? So the boxer can keep his guard up and learn how to fight properly. Life's a sparring ring. We've got to keep our guard up. If you put a car in neutral or you put any other vehicle in neutral, it's always going to roll downhill. We get so complacent so many times, we put our guard down, we begin to take things for granted. And when we begin to slacken off and we begin to pull back, we're going to cease to really move forward with any type of purpose. And they say in the business world, if you're standing still, you're backing up, you're losing ground. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 tells us, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Pretty strong words there. We can think we've got it all together and life is great and all these things. And we lower our guard. Oh, I don't have to go to church. I don't need to do this. I don't need to pay my tithes. All that stuff Trey talked about tonight. He needs that. I don't need that. We get complacent in our walk. We lower our guard. But the Bible says, take heed. Turn to your neighbor and look at him and say, watch out. Because that's what it means, watch out. It's not a suggestion here, it's not a question whether you should do it. It's a command, you better watch, you better take heat. Why? Because complacency will take you down. So a question that we perhaps need to ask ourselves is this. Since we got saved and we had the encounter, life-changing experience with God, has our relationship with God progressed or has it digressed? Is your passion waning or is your passion for God growing? Are you still like David who wrote a psalm that said, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul longs, literally yearns, cries out with everything inside of it for you. I wonder when's the last time we had such a passion and a fervent love and desire for God like that. You see, complacency will blind you from the truth. What is the truth? The truth is this. The children of Israel needed to realize just like we do. God did not put them in a land of promise to live in bondage. But what got them that way? Just a little at a time. Just a little at a time. Understand this, it wasn't one day all of a sudden everything went south. It started just to go through complacency, just a little at a time. Because that's how Satan works. If Satan comes in all at once, we would be alert and we would see it. But he just comes in a little at a time. And God never intended for them to live like what? Like what? How the children of Israel were. With nothing, broke, persecuted, literally a laughing stock. Can you see the people? Ha ha, that's God's chosen people, and look at them. I'm tired of the church being a laughing stock of the world. I'm tired of the church being a has been, a washout, a thing of yesterday. That's the call. There's a group of people who want to be chosen that's turning around and say, we're going to change the culture of church. Come on, do I hear an amen? We're going to turn around the fact, we're going to start living in the promises of God again. And it means we've got to start living by the promises of God, that we've got to change our lives. Come on, we cannot get complacent in our walk. Have you become complacent in your walk? The second point that we're going to look at tonight is this. We have got to develop a new life Style, Lifestyle speaks about the way we live. I think we need to change the way we live. When's the last time you did something for the first time? We get so boring in our lives. We need a new way of living. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time for you to live a different way. Come on, we've got to start developing a new lifestyle. For some of you, you've just been depressed for too long. It's time to not be Oppressed and depressed, but it's time to you to possess. What? Possess the promises and the victory and the peace that God has for your life. For some of you, you've been lived alive for so long. So now you've got that victim mentality. Need I say any more? that mentality that the whole world is against me. It's time we develop a new lifestyle. That word develop implies a process. It takes a process. That means it may take time to be there or get there, but we need to always be heading there. Do you understand that? There's a process. Sanctification is a process we go through as God cleans us up. As God changes our lives. But for some of us, we've accepted normality. We've accepted things for long enough that God says, I don't want to be in your life. We've got to start seeing ourselves in a new way. Do I hear an amen? Amen. How tired or how tiring would it be to be the children of Israel of that day? To always produce, but to never enjoy. To always produce. Every year their crops, their sheep. Everything they would produce, but to never enjoy because the enemy would come and take it from them. Finding themselves living in caves and holes in the mountainside. Living in total fear and dread. Being the tail and not the head. And that's why I said earlier, we've got to watch and guard ourselves against victim mentality. Well, pastor, you don't understand everything. I talked to a guy today, he came by the church. And he's got such a victim mentality and I'm trying to get him to see he needs to develop a new lifestyle because everyone else is wrong. Can I just let you into a little secret right now? If everyone else is wrong, I don't think everyone can be wrong all at once. There's going to be some people that's wrong, but if everyone is wrong and you're the only one that's right, you better maybe stop and look in the mirror because your biggest problem is probably looking right back at you. So we can get a victim mentality, as poor me and poor my, and everyone's wrong, and this and this and this and this and this. But how do we get or develop a victim mentality? Here's how. When we choose to live a life opposed to God's life. Because then we'll begin to feel, well, everything always happens to me. Is that how God really wants us to live? Is that the promise that Jesus died to give us? That I guess this is as good as I'm going to get. Are you going to shout me down tonight? Are you listening to what I'm saying? You've got to start believing for better days. You see, God can't bless that way of living if there's sin. We've got to begin to develop a new way of living. New life inside of us. Looking for new joys and excitements. Believe in God. Start seeing things for what they can be and should be. Not always what they are. Well, another interview and I didn't get a job. Thank God someone, when he was trying to fix the light bulb, didn't give up. And in fact, he had 10,000 not failures. That's what we often would label them as. But he developed 10,000 ways of not to do it before he did it. Come on, that's how he told himself. When people looked at him and said, give up and fail. He said, no, that's just another step closer to it because that's another way not how to do it. How incredible. 10,000. What was his name? Was it Thomas Edison? Thomas Edison. Something like that. Over 10,000 failed attempts, they would say. But to him, it was just another not way to do it. So he motivated himself to look. Come on, we've got to start seeing life beyond where we're at. We've got to start making decisions beyond. We've got to start developing a new lifestyle. Come on, I'm tired of making sick decisions. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm tired of making broke decisions and choices. Because one of the worst decisions you can make when you're broke, as Trey said it tonight, is turn around and say, I can't afford to give to God. God can't bless that. I said, God won't bless that. And you can dispute it all you want and say, well, God's not fair. Hey, come on, let's think about fairness right there. God says, if I can get it to flow through you, God says, I can get it to you. Why is God wanting to get 10% out of you? So he can open the windows of heaven and pour out more inside of you. Come on, you start talking about a God that's not fair. I'll tell you, you don't know God. Because you wouldn't say that. Because God's not trying to take it from you to steal it from you. He's trying to take it from you so he can multiply it and give it back to you. Press down, shaking together and running over. Come on, I'm preaching in the house. We've got to start developing a new lifestyle. A new way of living. Not just for five minutes and then stop. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym. It's the beginning of the year. Some of you have already been and done. Come on, it's the third month, just beginning. You're already finished, and for some of you, you've been finished for two and a half months. Come on, you only went for about a week, and you've got all these things that I'm going to do. Listen, the church is full of people who start, but God says the prize comes to those who finish. Come on, we've got to start developing a lifestyle, not a moment, not a flash in the pan, not a five-minute wonder. Church is good at that. Riding the wave, the next greatest craze or fad that's come into church, they're riding it high and then the next minute they're down and they're riding this. We've got to start developing a lifestyle that is what? Stable. It is founded on the Word of God and it's built upon the promises of God. Galatians 5 and verse 1 says these words, Stand fast therefore in the liberty. I like that. I can stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I'm changing the way I'm thinking. I'm going to start standing fast in the liberty. I'm going to start realizing I'm the head and not the tail. Here's another one. John 8. Verse 36, and you should all know this one. It says, Therefore, if the sun makes you free, you are free in. If the sun makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Indeed, there speaks of by the action of your life. Come on, we've got to start setting new courses and boundaries for our lives. We've got to start developing a new. Lifestyle. We've got to start learning to live above our circumstances instead of allowing our circumstances to live above us. Come on, do I hear an amen in the house? The way you live, I think, is determined upon how you want to live. Did you catch that? The way you live, I think, is determined upon the way you want to live. Why? Because I believe the desire... Or the way you live and the blessings and the fruitfulness of your life works on your desire. If you want to live free, I'm telling you, you're going to live free. If you want to live bound, you're going to live bound. The question tonight is, how much do you want it? How much do you want to continue the process? I didn't say you may get there today, but we're developing lifestyles that's going to take us Where God wants to be. We've got to be willing to make the necessary changes that are required to bring us into a new place. Listen to me tonight. I'm not saying that we just you just need to get saved. Obviously, salvation is the greatest place to start, and it needs to be your starting point. But salvation is not the end. Come on, there's more in God than just salvation. When you're saved, you've made it to heaven. But how many knows there's blessings, there's peace, there's victories, there's deliverance, there's power that we need to walk in while here on this earth that God wants to give us. So it's not only getting saved, but God wants us to live saved, to be saved, to be an example to Him. If you were really to look at your life, I wonder if you would turn around and say, wow, I'm really giving a great example of Christianity. I'm really showing forth a great God. I'm challenged with that because there's things I say that don't show a great God. There's actions that I do that don't show a great God. Come on, I've got to start developing a new lifestyle because people are going to see my good works. And what happens, the hope is that they will see my Father in heaven and they'll bring glory and honor to Him. So it's time to change your talk, your walk, your thought, your environment, your associations. Begin to continue along the process. Come on, developing a new way of living. Number three, are you ready? Let me hit it with you. Forget the past and embrace your future. It's incredible? We could preach for weeks on this thought that it's time to what? Forget the past and embrace. I like the thought of embrace as grab a hold of your future. To literally grab a hold of it, not just half-heartedly, but grab a hold of it with everything you've got. And listen to me, when we start talking about the past, we've got to understand the past involves the good and the bad. We've got to move away from the successes as well as the failures because the successes of yesterday can perhaps be a greater hindrance to the successes of today. The worst enemy to excellence is good. When you're a failure, guess what? You know there's a need to change. But when you're successful, you can sit back and say, I'm kind of doing well. The greatest companies today who are the greatest success are companies that have been successful for perhaps generations. Why? Because when they invent something, they don't sit back and say, we did a good job. They're already looking for something to be better and to be bigger. Why? Because they know other people are going to be duplicating or copying or coming up with ideas themselves. They have to stay ahead of the game. We've got to forget the past, for what reason? So we can stay ahead of the game. Read with me, if you would, Judges chapter 6, now verse 11 through 14. The angel's now coming to Gideon. And the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terabith tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abysserite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide from the Midianites." And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour. Can you see Gideon? He's kind of sitting there looking around saying, Obviously you're not talking to me. Verse 13. Gideon said unto him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said to him, Shut up. We can say that because our kids are not in here. The angel of the Lord told him, You need to forget The past. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, forget the past. The angel of the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Notice what is happening here. We waste so much precious time looking back instead of forward. What did he say when God came to him? He said, oh, we remember all the past. We remember the miracles. How many knows that if God could do it in the past, he's more than able to still do it right now? But he's not a yesterday God. He's the God of today, yesterday and tomorrow. He's a God that's able right now. But we get so caught up in looking back instead of forward that we fail to see that God wants to bring us beyond every mistake and failure to a future and a destiny in Him. Gideon asks this question in verse 13, where is God? Where is God? Where are the miracles? Where is His provision? Where is His leading? Where is His guiding? Come on, where is He? Where is this God? Why did he ask that? Because his past had refused to allow him to hear what God had just proclaimed over his life. He didn't hear the fact that God says, you're a mighty man of valor. All he heard was what? or All he responded to was the fact, God, you failed us. You were with us in the past, but you're not with us anymore. You see, if we don't watch our past, will begin to determine our future. We've got to let go of the past and realize the past is the past. The past needs to stay in the past because the angel of the Lord appeared to him in verse 12 before he says, where is God? And he says, the Lord is with you. Notice God says, I'm with you. But Gideon says, oh, you used to be. He goes back instead of from this day forward. Are you allowing your past experiences to rob you from your promise? Come on, I'm trying to talk to those who want to be chosen tonight. Not just called, but those who want to be chosen. If we want to be chosen, if we want to do great and mighty exploits for the Lord, we've got to forget the past. And grab a hold of the future, realizing what God speaks over our lives and what he sees. Come on, God sees things in us that man doesn't see. But God sees why? Because he created things inside of us that we ourselves don't even know as of yet. But I would much rather trust the one who created me, who knows all about me, than just people I've maybe met for months or days or weeks or years. That would say, you can't do that and you can't do this. I can still remember the words of an English teacher when I was 10 years of age that looked at me and said, you will never be a writer. You will never be able to write. You've got no imagination. Still plagues me right now when I go to put pen to paper. At 38 years of age, I hear the words of someone else that they spoke into my life, but I've chose to forget the past. Come on, I've chose to move on beyond that. And I've chose every time I put pen to paper to be a testimony to God because maybe I didn't have it inside of me, but God placed something inside of me that I've allowed to come out. Past is only good for one thing, Bishop, and that's to remain as the past. I said the past is only good for one thing Edward and that's to remain in the past. A lot of us have got skeletons in our closets we're not proud of. Aren't you glad that God's not the God of the past in the fact of he's bringing it up? God's a God of today. He's forgiven and he's forgot our past. Come on, he's a God of this day forward. Perhaps you had great times in the past. Great. Look for greater times. Perhaps you had rough times in the past. Great. Look for great days. In God, we must let go of the past in order to embrace our future. Philippians four verse thirteen says, "Forgetting those things which are behind." What do I do? I press on. I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal. You can never reach forward and press towards something while you're leaning back and while you're held back. Your past will be an anchor that will stop you from pressing towards the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus for your life. Come on, allow your past just to be the step up into your future. Allow your past to be the stepping stone that propels you into what God has. Come on, we've all got a past in here. But when Satan comes to remind you of your past, why not start reminding him of his future? Come on, we've got to forget the past. If we're going to be chosen, if we're going to do exploits, we've all got things, as I said, we're not proud of, but we've got to leave them under the blood. And trust God. Are you with me tonight? Number four, if we're going to be chosen, we've got to begin to move our lives from insignificance to a place of destiny. We've got to move our lives from insignificance to your place of destiny. To realize... What you may see, as I said earlier, is maybe not what God sees, but why not choose to believe him instead of what you see? Look what he says in Judges chapter 6 and verse 15 and 16. Then Gideon said unto him, to the angel, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So Gideon saying, if you really are talking to me, and I guess we've established the thought that you are, I've brought up the past, but you said the past is not important. It's about right now. So, okay, if we're going to talk about right now, let's just begin to talk about my insignificance right now. I'm the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. That's all we need. I said that's all we need is for God to be with us. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Here's what Gideon really says in verse 15 and 16. He says this, Even if I could move beyond my past, I'm still a nobody. Do you feel like that sometimes? Even if I really could move beyond my past, and I realize, Pastor, there's there's a future to embrace. If I could really even do that, then I'm still a nobody. I'm still insignificant. Why would God, why would anyone want to listen to me? I mean, why, why, why? You know, there's something I love about Gideon, and that is this. In his mind, he saw himself as nothing, but he wasn't a quitter. I like that about Gideon. Why? Because it doesn't say that anyone else was doing anything. Yes, he was hiding, and he was afraid, and people could say, well, you don't thresh grain in a wine press. We know that. But one thing I can say about a nobody like Gideon, at least he wasn't a quitter. At least he was still trying to do something. You see, God... Can take a working nobody, a work in progress, and turn them into a mighty somebody. God can take a nobody and make us into a man of valor. To be chosen, we must realize it's not how we perceive ourselves, but it's how God sees us. I wonder how God sees you. I'll tell you how God sees you as the apple of his eye. He sees you as his precious child, He sees you as someone that can do great things if we can just let go of our past and forget our insignificance and move on to the destiny that God has for us. You may not see it tonight, but I challenge you, look again and again, and again, and again. Perhaps for some of you, you need to continually look. Why? Because you're special to God, and you need to begin to see that. You need to begin to understand that. You need to begin to believe that you are created for purpose. Come on, this is not a motivational speech tonight. This is a speech to motivate you into the blessing that God has for your life. This is not something to hype you up, and at the end, there's nothing. This is something to encourage you, to tell you. Come on, God has chosen all called all, but only few have chosen. It's time for us to be the chosen of God. Even in our insignificance, God still has destiny. Even with a past, thank God for his grace and his mercy. What did David say to Goliath when the giant pointed at him and said, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? I mean, come on, for goodness sake, I've been a, a man of war and you're a little kid. What did David say to Goliath? David said these words to Goliath, paraphrased. He says, You know what? It's not about me, but it's about my dad. And you just made him really mad. So you better watch out. Come on, think about that. Well, who do you think you are? In in himself, he was just a little shepherd boy. He was nothing, but he was significant to God. When Satan tries to remind you of who you are, you need to start reminding him of who's you are. You need to start reminding him of who's your dad. Come on, who's your daddy? My daddy's the king of kings. My daddy's the lord of lords. My daddy's one that has never lost a battle. He said, I'll go with you. Did he not tell Gideon that? I'll go with you. It's me. I'm there with you. You may not be man's choice, but thank God man doesn't make the choice of who's God's choice. Man may not pick you, but God's already picked you. He's already made a way for you. He sent his son to die for every one of us. Now it's your choice. Man can't choose, but you need to choose. You need to choose whether you are going to live and move from insignificance to a place of your destiny. And moving on, almost finished, just two more points. Point number five, you need to move from being a half to a whole. From being half-hearted. That would do to totally surrendered, committed and yielded to God. It's amazing how some people don't want to give everything to God because they're they're worried that they'll have to go to church more. It's amazing how people don't want to give everything to God because they're worried that God will send them on a mission field somewhere and make them do something they don't want to do. Again, can I say this? If you really are in relationship with God, you'll understand that God's not a God like that. Because there'll already be things inside of your heart that God will confirm if that's what God wants. God's not going to go against what He has made you to be. If you've got a heart for others and a heart for missions, then God may send you. But you know what, if that's not really your heart and the call, you're probably not going to be sent. But you see, we misunderstand God. Why? Because we just give him a half instead of giving him everything to work with. Gideon chose to connect up to a God and form a partnership that he could not lose. What did he say in verse 16? And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man, some man. I said some man, some man. He was just a little insignificant person, but he was now some man because he joined up with God. He's now a whole. He's now one man. Why? Because he's found completeness in God. We cannot make it on our own. And the sooner we realize that, the better it's going to be, not only for us, but for anyone else. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's through that combination that strength and victory will come every time me and God or God and me. Trusting in God. When I don't know what to do, God's there. When I don't know which way to turn, God's there, Come on, if I want to be chosen of God, if I want to make a change in this world, if I want to change the lifestyle of my life, if I want to move beyond my past and embrace my future, if I want to move some insignificance into my, what, into my destiny, then I've got to live totally sold out and given to God. I think it's like six or seven times in Psalms 119 that David says these words with my whole heart. Not just a part. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know that. Call upon, oh no, what is Jeremiah 29, 11? Know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, says the Lord. We all get excited about that. But we need to read on because the Bible says, when you search for me, you're going to find me. When you search for me with your whole heart. Not half heart, but whole heart. To be chosen means to be fully on board. It's all or nothing. And lastly tonight, number six. We need to move from being a survivor to a servant. I haven't got time tonight because time is gone, but if you were to read Judges 6, verse 18 through 24, you would suddenly begin to realize all of a sudden now Gideon's beginning to worship God. He says to the angel, wait here, let me make you some food. And a sacrifice, an offering is given up unto God. You see, when you change your focus and you begin to realize that God is able, then what happens? You begin to see the fact that He's your deliverance. Notice this, as Gideon was willing to let go of the past, he was willing to accept the fact that God was with him. What happens? He now begins to see the fact that God is his deliverer. He now begins to believe that he will be able to defeat this army. He now begins to believe who is this one that would stand against God. You see, when you change your focus, you will see your deliverance. Matthew 20, verse 26 says this, Whoever desires to become great amongst you, let him be your servant. To move from a survivor, just making it, to a servant, giving unto God. Gideon had an encounter with God that left him changed forever. Now whatever God wants done, he's along for the right. His desire is just to serve God. Can you see what's taken place in this man's life? We've gone through it in literally about 20 minutes tonight, the change that's taken place. But can you see all of a sudden now, anything you want, God? I'm in it. I don't know how, but I know you can. Come on, that's our theme for this year. I don't know how. Come on, we're believing for a new building. I don't know how. Come on, a note of about 20,000, 30,000 a month for most buildings that we look at around here. Might as well be 20, 30 million a month. Come on, hit, hit me with it tonight. I don't know how, but I know he can and I know he will. Some of you are facing impossible situations. I don't know how, but I know he will. Come on, we've got to move from being a survivor, just barely making it through, to being a servant, trusting in God, realizing that as we meet his needs and build his house, his promises that he will build ours. You see, Gideon's problems and circumstances, Melissa, were still the same. But all of a sudden, he had a different focus. He saw different. And he saw his God as bigger than all those things around us. Why? Because he now has a direct plan of how to turn everything around. You see, Gideon wasn't just called, he chose to accept the call and to be chosen of God. He chose to be on God's team. The question I have, myself included, will we join the team? All are called, but not all are chosen. If we want to be chosen, we need to make some changes and begin to develop a new way of living.